Well, if you would, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to begin by asking a question. Oh, by the way, uh, there was too much to put in the bulletin this week, so the last page is not the outline. I've inserted an outline for you, so it's on a separate piece of paper if you haven't found that. And for those of you that want to take notes, uh, you can pull that out. I want, to, I want to begin with a question. The question is this. Um, why are you here tonight? Think about it. It could be one thing. It could be two or more. Why are you here tonight? You may, maybe you want to jot it down. It may depend maybe on your past. Uh, it could be determined really by any number of things, past or present. Why are you here tonight? Let's stand together in the honor of the reading of God's Word from Ephesians chapter 4. Mark read from verses 1 to 16. Our text tonight is from 7 to 13. Hear now the Word of the Lord. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives and He gave gifts to men. In saying He ascended, what does it mean but that He also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that He might fill all things. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we'd ask in these moments that you would bless the reading and the hearing and the preaching of your word. I'd ask that you would remove anything uh, about me or in me that would, that would hinder the message of the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd ask that you would speak through what you have already spoken. Bless us during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You, be, you may be seated. Now hold that, that thought, hold that question in your mind. Why are you here? Now I want to recap briefly for those of you that have been here. It's always good to be reminded. We even talked about that a few weeks ago. But for those of you that haven't been here, we're in the middle of the book of Ephesians. And so just to help you a little bit, the first three chapters are part one. The second three chapters are part two. The first three chapters are what we call the indicative or the declarative, meaning that throughout the first three chapters, Paul describes who we are and all the benefits that we have in Christ. Uh, The second three chapters from four to six are what we call the imperative or uh, the command section of the book. And basically what Paul does throughout those last three chapters is describe how we are to live in light of who we are in Christ, in light of all the benefits that we have in Him. Um, Last week when we arrived at chapter 4, we saw that he began this section with the word therefore. And of course that means that everything that he's about to say comes you know, is based on what comes previously. So basically, everything that he's said about who we are in Christ is going to be the basis and the foundation of everything that he asks us to do or really commands us to do from here forward. So we could summarize basically what Paul is saying in this first verse by saying this. Paul says, because you were all given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places... 
because uh, you were all chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, because you have been forgiven, because you have been adopted, because you, because you have been forgiven, because you have been adopted, and because you have been redeemed, and you have experienced God's grace, it's been lavished upon you, uh, because uh, you've all been guaranteed an inheritance and have been sealed by the Spirit, because you were all dead spiritually and uh, you're now alive, because you were all um, constricted, you were all confined and now have been released, uh, because you were all condemned but you now have all experienced and continue to experience God's grace and mercy, Uh, Because uh, you were all created and recreated for good works so that God might not only express His grace to you, but expect you to extend that grace to others. Because uh, you've all been reconciled to Him and to one another. Because you are now fellow citizens. You're all now fellow citizens of the kingdom. And because you're now all members of God's household. Act like it. Act like it. Walk the talk. Paul says, I implore you, because of all that's yours, because of who you are in Christ and all that's yours, now walk in a manner. He says, I implore you, I'm begging you to really live a life of balance in light of who you are. I want you to be who you've been declared to be. I want you to live as children of God. You, you have been, you're now in a position of His child, and so now I want you to act like you're His child. And again, He's begging. It, it's really not an option, the way the language is. But we also learn that this summons in this first part of chapter 4 is not only to walk the talk or to live like we've been declared to be, but we're also, as we do that, while we're living that way, we are to maintain the unity among ourselves. We're we're to be united. And we said last week that we, we don't, that unity doesn't come by focusing on our diversity, just as much as it doesn't come by focusing on our unity. Unity comes when we all share the same focus, which he says, all that we have in common, which is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. If we maintain that same focus, as we read from uh, Mr. Tozer, right? All those pianos are tuned to one piano. We're all in harmony. As we focus on God, as we focus on who we are in Christ, as we focus on what we share in common, the unity will come in the midst of that diversity. Now, that's all, it's all necessary because we come tonight to verse, or verse 7, and he begins with the word, but. So we know that he's about to change direction. Right? Everything that he said, he's now going to change. That word, really, in spite of that, or on the other hand. And so we could read verse 7 as, on the other hand, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So here in verse 7, um, and really in the next 10 verses, this is where our outline comes in. Paul's going to describe Christ's gift, gifts extended to us, Christ's gifts exercised by us, and Christ's gifts explicitly for us. So that's how that outline is going to shake out. Let's begin with Christ's gift 
gifts extended to us. So verses 7 to 10, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So he's focused or, or laid a foundation of unity in the first six verses. But in verse 7, he begins to actually talk about our diversity. Right? He wants to say, Here, here's what we have in common, but, but we are still a diverse people. But notice, he doesn't talk about uh, our socio-political differences. He doesn't talk about our ethnic differences. He doesn't talk about our socio-economic differences. He focuses on the differences of our gifts. Those gifts that are much needed and God-designed. And I want us to notice a few things about these gifts as we move forward, okay? First, he says each one of us, so we know that each of us have been given a gift. All of us have been given at least one spiritual gift. Secondly, as I've already mentioned, he uses that word but and it describes our diversity, so therefore not everyone has the same gift, right? We've all been given a gift, not everyone has the same gift. Third, he said, by saying, given according to the measure of Christ's gift, we know that they're gracious. They're not something that we earn. They're not something that we merit. They are sovereignly and thoughtfully and purposefully given according to God's plan. And fourth, by saying grace was given, we learn that not only has he given us the gift graciously, but he's given us the grace that we need or that that enables us to exercise that gift. So grace saves us, grace enables us. And lastly, because we all have one, because there's diversity and they're all gracious, there are a few things I think would help us that we need to keep in mind, particularly in light of the fact that he's called us to be united. One, we should be content with the ones that we have. Right? We've all been given one. God's been gracious. He's granted us those according to His sovereign will, so we ought to uh, be content with that. Secondly, we shouldn't envy others for the ones that they have. And that's important as we move forward and look at what, at what their purpose are, or what their purpose is. Uh, three, we shouldn't look down on others for the ones that they don't have. And four, nor should we ask for those that we want or think that we should have and don't. Let's be content with the gifts that we have. And that call, again, that call to unity makes sense when, we, when he begins this way of talking of our diversity. Because, of course, it's easy to fall into the trap of that spiritual gift war. Especially when certain gifts are elevated above others to places that they should never be. So anyway, let, let's move on. Paul, Paul not only says gifts have been given to every believer. This is... This is really neat in my opinion. He also says Christ has given gifts to the church. Look at verse 11. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say he gave some the gifts of apostleship and some the gifts of evangelism, which we know evangelism is a gift, but he doesn't say that here. But he says he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, He gave the evangelists and the teachers. And so by doing so, what he's saying is he's gifted some with certain gifts and he's given those office holders to the church. So he's given each of us individual gifts that we're to exercise, but he's also given gifts 
to the church. And for the sake of time, rather than trying to sort out what each of those offices are, uh, we're going to focus on what they all have in common. Because I think it's what they have in common that's, that is the point that Paul's making. See, notice that they're all ministers of the Word. All of them are ministers of the Word. They minister the Word of God. They've been gifted to teach and preach and proclaim God's Word. They've all been called as ministers of the Gospel. And the pastors and teachers in particular, pastor teachers, one office, um, minister through Word and Sacrament as we learn through the rest of the New Testament. So I really think it's fair to say that Christ has given the ministry of the Word to the church. Christ has given the ministry of the Word to the church. But we'll get to that in, in our next point. Let's look at verses 8 to 10. It, it, it'd be very easy to, to gloss over these. right? It, it'd be very easy to move on, and, and truthfully many do. And it's, but it's a shame because of, of what Paul is communicating in these few verses. In verse 8, Paul quotes Psalm 68, 18. Uh, now, he changes it a little bit. He changes one word, and, and some people have a real difficult time with that, though I don't think they really, it's, it's really not a big deal because they're basically, they're still communicating the same thing. And I think you'll understand that when, by the time that we're done. Um, the psalm describes God as ascending a hill and having captives in tow behind him and receiving gifts along the way. Paul changes that a little bit, and Paul, what Paul says is that Christ ascends to the hill, and he has captives in tow, but as he's going, he's giving gifts away. So the difference is, the, the psalmist, David, says that God is receiving gifts. Paul says Christ is giving gifts. So, uh, a couple things happen as we move forward, but one of the, a couple things I want you to think about. In doing so, Paul, uh, he's got a bigger point, but there are a couple subtle things here. Paul, in doing so, says that Christ did far more than David ever thought of doing. Okay? Far beyond what King David did, Christ did more. Right? Christ was the greater king. But he also, in, in changing that word and Christ is giving those gifts out, what we see is that what Christ accomplished and what he gained was not for himself. It wasn't to be kept, but it was to be given. So what's his point? Well, we know that Christ, who was seated at the right hand of the Father, he took on flesh and he humbled himself and took on flesh and dwelt among us. And he was obedient to the point of death on the cross. Right? And, and by dying on the cross, he died for our sin. This was his, what we call his humiliation. Through the cross, he defeated Satan. Through the cross, he redeemed a people from the bondage and tyranny of sin. And having been crucified and buried, he then arose from the dead, conquering death. And ascended back to the right hand of the Father, sin and death in tow, having gained our freedom. This was his exaltation. So we have the humiliation and exaltation of Christ. And then having ascended, Christ sent the Spirit. The Spirit that was prophesied in the Old Testament, and we think particularly in Joel. But the, the Spirit that was prophesied, but also the Spirit that Jesus promised to send in John 14. The Spirit who would seal us and who does seal us and indwell us. The Spirit whose fruit we exhibit. And 
the Spirit whose little g gifts, bear with me, little g gifts we receive. So what Paul's doing is he's stressing that those little g gifts that the Ephesians have all been given and that you and I have been given by the Spirit have been given to us by Christ because He has won them through His death, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. They're spoils of war. And the Spirit, upon His ascension, He sends the Spirit to dispense those gifts. The capital G gift that we read about in Galatians in our um, assurance of pardon... Right? The promised spirit has been given to us and then he dispenses those little g gifts to each individual, individual member and to the church as a whole. And that brings us to Christ's gifts exercised by us. Look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, there are several ways that these, these verses have been translated in the past. I want to focus on a couple that are, are, are most often, uh, that are interpreted most often in this way. And uh, the first may be new to many of us, uh, but the second is probably what we're most familiar with. Some interpret verses 11 and 12 to say that Christ gave those who preach and teach or gave the ministry of word and sacrament to the church to do three things. Okay, One is... To perfect, and that word uh, is also that word translated equipped, but they they interpret it perfect the saints, second for the work of ministry, and third for edifying of the body. So you see these three uh, phrases are all given to uh, uh, the the ministry of of the word that has been given to the church. Okay? The second is what we're, we're most often familiar with. Others interpret it this way, that Christ gave those who preach and teach, or he gave the ministry of the word and sacrament to the church to do one thing, and that was to equip the saints for the works of service. Right, so there's, there's, a, there's a difference there. But I want you to hang with me a minute, because as we did the four offices, rather than try to sort through all that, and, and Miller used to say, or still does, but uh, we many of us used to hear Miller say, you know, he... Very rarely he's going to draw out the whole pots and pans of his study. And so I'm going to spare you from all the pots and pans stuff. And, and I just want to say, keeping the verse in context of the passage and the passage in light of the, of the letter and the letter in light of the whole. I, I really think those two translations are really communicating the same thing. If we'll think about it for just a minute. Christ has given the teaching ministry of the church, the, the ministry of word and sacrament, for the building up or the spiritual growth of its members. Through that teaching ministry, we're built up and, 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 and we're equipped to exercise the individual spiritual gifts that Christ has given each one of us. And as we exercise those gifts, the church grows. Spiritually speaking, the, the church grows. Now for us today, that, that would look like this. The equipping of the body by the teaching pastor is accomplished through the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, uh, through the Word and sacrament ministry through which God has chosen to bestow grace upon His people. That's why I prayed before we began in the invocation that God would come and not only meet with us, we believe He's here, but we'd ask Him to do what He has promised to do. 
That he would, in fact, bless his people. Yes, I, as a teaching pastor, have a shepherding role. Um, but as far as this passage is concerned, the primary role is, is the discipleship and equipping of God's people through the preaching and teaching uh, that, that occurs here. And every member ministry that has been, that's the phrase that's been used for the last 30 years in the church growth movement, uh, that every member ministry is actually you as members exercising the gifts that you've been given as, as you are strengthened, as you are encouraged, as you uh, hear from the word of God and you are equipped, then you go and you exercise those gifts among one another and, and serve one another to, and, and fulfill the one another's of scripture. The encouraging of one another, the hospitality toward one another, praying for one another, loving one another, admonishing one another, being kind to one another, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another and building one another up all all through the exercising of your gifts. And that's just a short list of, of one that's much longer. So much that you're to be involved in doing through the blessing of the gift that you've been given and through the preaching and teaching of God's word that equips you and enables you by God's grace to go serve those around you. And I was joking with Mal before we began because I'm not a big message fan. Um, and this will probably be the only time you ever hear me quote it. And, and some of you are going to be really surprised that I am. But the late Eugene Peterson, there was, there's one verse that I just can't get out of my head. And he says, everyone's been given something. Every believer has been given something to show others who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. It's pretty good. In other words, Christ has given, given men and, and given those men in the church gifts of preaching and teaching so that through the ministry of the word and through the gospel specifically and, and through the whole counsel of God as it's preached and teached and proclaimed that through the spirit and the word people are regenerated and given faith. Through word and sacrament, spirit, word and sacrament, the faith that he creates in us is strengthened and increased. Through the spirit and, and the word and sa sacrament, people are sanctified. Through uh, the spirit and the word and sacrament, our hearts are renovated. Going back to chapter 3, right, our hearts are changed. It's through the spirit and word and sacrament that people grow in enabling grace and are not only enabled, uh, but more and more, but their, their desire, uh, they have a desire more and more to exercise the gifts that they've been given. And while all of that can be, that it can be experienced in other settings, it can be experienced in one-on-one -on -one settings and in small group settings, the primary means through which this takes place is through our corporate gathering and worship. And that's, that's why the, the, the word is central in our worship services. That, that's why this evening we have... We have sang God's word and prayed God's word and read God's word and we're hearing the word of God preached. We're going to see God's word through the sacrament. It's that important. That's why we have done it not only tonight, but we do it every week. It's here that I, through the preaching and Aaron, through his wonderful planning of our liturgy, right, week after week, and it's on Sunday morning as Mark preaches. 
And as Mal and Aaron, as they plan the worship service and as they lead, as we exercise those gifts, our churches are encouraged. Our our churches are edified, they're equipped, and all of our hearts are renovated. All of us are discipled, all of us are equipped, and all of us are being conformed into the image of Christ. And I I hope you hear, I've purposefully spoken because I believe it's true, the the gift of the ministry and the word, uh, it's the gift of the ministry of the word, and it's, it's not me. It's not Aaron, it's not Mark, it's not Mal or Aaron. Because you don't need us. You need Christ. You need Jesus. And it's Christ who equips us to exercise the gifts he's, been give, he's given to us. And those gifts have been given for our benefit. So that's the last point. Christ's gifts explicitly for us. He says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Ultimately, Christ's gifts are, are not only extended to us or given to us, they're not, just, they're, they're not only exercised by us, they are explicitly for us. God desires that we as individuals and he's speaking here more corporately as a body that he wants us to all be one and and have a true and accurate trust and confidence in Christ, a true and accurate knowledge of Christ. He desires us to reach maturity spiritually. And and again, that, that goes beyond us individually. Remember back in chapter 1, verse 23, God, God says and proclaims that the church is already the fullness of God. So what are we doing? We are, we are growing into that. We are attaining what has already been said about us. And notice too, we're to keep exercising these gifts until we all attain or until we all reach that goal. So we're to continue doing that until, until everything is complete, until Christ comes for his bride. And it's so interesting, if, if we, when we read on, remember, Christ is going to come. He's going to present His bride holy, without wrinkle, spot, or blemish. And how does that come about? In chapter 5, we'll see as we get there, but it says that, that happens through the washing of the water of His Word. It's through the ministry of the Word. It's as the Word is taught. It is going to accomplish the goal that God has determined. His word rightfully taught and preached will accomplish all that he desires for it to do. So before we come to the table, I want want to come back to the question that I asked you. In case you thought, I forgot. Why are you here? I'm sure if I took a poll, the number one answer would be to worship. And, And that's what we came to do. We came to worship. Right, we came to, to praise and ascribe worth to God in, to, in response to what Christ has done for us. That's why we're here. We, we came to bring glory to the Father, to exalt the Son, and to worship by the Spirit. So we've come to be involved in Trinitarian worship. But, but let me ask, did anybody write down or did anybody think I, I came to receive? Did anybody come, did anybody write down and think... I came to be edified. I came to be equipped. I came to be discipled. 
I came to receive grace. I came to grow in our unity, in faith, and in the knowledge of Christ. I came to receive the gift of Christ Himself, because brothers and sisters, that's, that's what's happening. Through word and sacrament ministry, Christ has given us gifts, and it's here that He gives us Himself to equip us to exercise the gifts that He's given us for our good. And so that is why we're encouraged in Hebrews 10 to not forsake the gathering together. Right? We're not to forsake the gathering together. When we come, we're not checking a box and, and meriting God's favor. And we're not coming to, to keep some institutional machine going. We're, we're gathering, we're coming to receive Christ and to be built up in love. That's why we're coming together and just to be real personal about and, and kind of really up to date or, I mean, with what's going on with us personally. It's why we're getting together to, to provide a nursery for our families, for kids from zero to three. I mean, depending on the temperament and number of children, uh, it's difficult sometimes for parents to stay engaged in worship. And so what can we do? We can come alongside them and we can watch a few little ones and, and we can exercise our gifts and, and allow their parents to be what? To be in worship and to be equipped for parenting. And by doing it together, no one person shares too much of the load and none of us miss the worship service more than we need to and we work all together and again, we're built we're building one another up, loving one another. This is why we also encourage various small groups. We have a wide variety of small groups of various kinds and sizes, but we stress that they're not primary. We say that they're not mandatory, but they serve as a, they, because they should not ever serve as a substitute for worship. They, they should be that, because really, and Matt said it this week on Friday morning, because those small groups, they're just not enough. It's not enough. Now, I love them. I like being a part of them. They build community. And I, and I think we, it sounds like I'm contradicting myself. I think we should all be a part of one. But, but not, but not in, in lieu of or instead of or to put too much emphasis on them rather than the emphasis that needs to be placed on worship. The worship service is primary. And then finally, this is why when, folks, when we're tired uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually, Sunday is not the day for you to use so that you can take a break and stay at home. It's when we're tired and emotionally spent and spiritually needy and, and, and physically exhaust, exhausted that we need to gather because the rest that we need comes when we gather together. The rest that we need, we are nourished and and. We are nourished and receive what our soul needs when we gather here as a body. So quite the contrary. When you're feeling like, you know, I just need to take a break this week. No, that's when you need to be here. 
And may it be so. May God bless the reading, hearing, preaching of this His holy and errant word. Let's pray together.